This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Your Money on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Your Money, SiriusXM, Channel 132 Business Radio that's powered by the Wharton School. I'm Ken Smethers, uh, still joining you by Zoom until we can do a live shows again, but you can also connect with me in the meantime by going to my website, kentonmoney.com. So jobless Americans have been receiving extra money in their weekly unemployment insurance checks since March of 2020 as part of the federal program to help families through the COVID-19 pandemic. And those programs have now expired and millions of people are still um, unemployed. Of course, we know there's also lots of job openings as well. And uh, so sometimes um, maybe a mismatch going on in, in the job market. But if you or someone you know is still struggling with unemployment right now, my guest today has some suggestions for what you can do about it. He is Mark Hamrick, who is the Washington Bureau Chief and Senior Editor Analyst uh, for bankrate.com. Uh, Mark, welcome to the show. Good to be with you, Kent. Thank you for having me. And, uh, and Mark, you had a, a nice uh, article on bank rate that's talking about when the unemployment uh, checks run out. And um, so let's talk about just some background information for those expired benefits. You know, how much more money were people getting? When do they expire? Um, and of course, you know, unemployment as a program still continues. We're talking about kind of extra money here. It's interesting because I think uh, for most individuals and certainly many of the 22 million Americans who lost their jobs in March and April of last year when the bottom really fell out of the economy, uh, you know, as essentially the lockdowns uh, really took hold. I think most Americans were not uh, intimately familiar with the kind of crazy quilt patchwork that we have in the sense of 53 different governments, 50 states, District of Columbia, dot, dot, dot all basically having their own separate unemployment programs. And I think that uh, it's a little like turning over a rock in the sense that uh, it was pretty it was pretty ugly. And uh, the administration of those programs was pretty ugly. Uh, you know, it was rife with fraud. It, it was it was prone to essentially being hacked uh, by uh, individuals who were nefarious. Uh, not unemployed, but nefarious. And um, and so, you know, for example, in the early stages, California had to shut down its program for a time as, as they tried to basically start weeding all of those things out. So it's it's a little akin to the don't build a prison in my backyard syndrome where, you know, there's a there's a problem getting these kinds of things funded. And there is an effort underway in Congress to basically try to um, fix all that up. You might think of it as an unemployment infrastructure program, uh, but it remains to be seen whether that will be cleaned up. And and I would just as a sort of everyday American myself would think that, you know, we don't have a real social safety net in this in this country. That was the closest thing to it. And uh, uh, and so we really do need to pay attention to this, because as we saw from the huge lines of people in cars looking for food, sort of replacing the version back in the day during the Great Depression, where people were in line at soup kitchens and just trying to get an apple or something like that, it really did show how uh, people were 
uh, easily uh, thrown into crisis as as uh, not sure. having yeah. Yeah, but in, 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 of course, he's at, you know, extra uh, $300 in unemployment benefits at the weekly, at the federal level. Uh, soon, the, in fact, it expired recently in September 6. And uh, so certainly um, you know, what people need to also, of course, realize is that we're talking about extra benefits and not, uh, it's not like unemployment insurance itself has been uh, discontinued. So let's talk about gig and freelance workers that are, you know, often getting um, they were actually allowed to get unemployment benefits uh, uh, in the in the last year or two. That often was not the case uh, pre-pandemic, you know. But now some of these benefits are uh, extra benefits have worn off. And so, what are their options right now? Yeah. So, as you know, uh, you know, Congress really did. Uh, Congress and the presidents uh, in the two two administrations really did come to the aid of Americans in an almost unprecedented uh, way to uh, approve a series of uh, bills providing these kinds of programs. And uh, two of them, the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program and the Pandemic Emergency Unemployment Compensation Program were really sort of at issue here, uh, where, uh, and, and also the third program that provided the extra $300. Uh, those were essentially the ones that ran out uh, once we got past Labor Day. And as you say, you know, typically Americans uh, would then be looking at the what's basically 26 weeks of compensation that averages $380 a week, which, you know, that's pretty tough to get by on if, if, in, in most parts of the country. And that's why there was bipartisan agreement. They needed to do more than this. So uh, if uh, if one were a, a freelance or gig economy worker that all of a sudden is now finding their end of that, they're at the end of that program. Well, as you referenced, uh, we know that as of the last report, the end of June was released about three weeks ago, we had uh, a record 10.1 million job openings in this country. And that doesn't even get to the kind of jobs that seem to have in many cases um, really also had uh, a lack of supply of gig economy workers in Uber and the like, because, you know, somebody trying to get an Uber or a Lyft these days is finding that there's not adequate supply and it's driving the prices up. So I'm guessing that some of those gig economy workers are going to go back to doing at least some of that. Um, I happened to hear just recently the CEO of DoorDash said their average, as they call them, dashers work four hours a week. So that's obviously supplemental. Uh, so that might not be sort of a crisis situation where those people aren't doing those jobs because um, they're not relying on it as their primary means of income. But, you know, the first step really for everybody uh, who would be at risk here really is consistent with what we recommend Americans do, whether they're currently employed uh, or sort of in this crisis mode. And that is to have a budget, and and that is to know, you know, what uh, essentially you have coming in in the sense of income, and for most of us, that's our jobs. Uh, for retirees, it's obviously different, um, and then to know what our regular expenses are. And uh, you know, it's very easy these days in this digital economy where we aren't using cash, uh, where we aren't writing checks like the quote unquote old days to lose track of just what it is we're spending money on and and, and the many ubiquitous uh, uh, digital subscriptions that uh, we're being lured and in some cases uh, signing up for a good example of, you know, th these things can multiply and all of a sudden you're paying more money for things than you know. 
Yeah, one of the things that people have to be planning for right now is that they may actually owe some taxes yeah. on some of the extra unemployment money. I mean, it, 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 when, especially when it comes time to file, a lot of people may be in, you know, have some sticker shock, a little surprise there. You know, explain what you're recommending people do to try to calculate their tax bill now, save for it now. Uh, thoughts there? Yeah, I would say, you know, this is consistent also with another part of advice that we give to people on a regular basis. And that is, um, it would to some degree qualify as as um, the need for emergency savings. And the number one financial regret we found consistently on the part of Americans through our regular surveys of the American public is the number one financial regret is the failure to save for emergencies. And uh, parallel to that is the failure to save for retirement. And so obviously what we've been through in the last 19 months or so, I think qualifies as an emergency. And it's, and it's obviously a personal emergency for the people who lose access to their incomes. And then all of a sudden they had unemployment benefits if indeed they filed and qualified and, and didn't necessarily expect that they you know, would then be facing a, a, a tax bill, whether it's at the federal or state level. So obviously you're gonna have to think about um, beginning to pay that uh, when filing season rolls around and uh, there are some means to you know file for an extension and that sort of thing but you're still unfortunately going to be due the taxes owed so um, you know this this information has been out there but obviously for many people who are were going through this at the first for the first time uh, it could be a sticker shock yeah yeah it's Certainly, uh, it often comes as a surprise, especially with new income. But uh, let's talk about credit cards versus, you know, emergency account. I mean, some people say, well, you know, pay down the credit cards first yeah. because of high interest rate, and you could always use it as an emergency account. Uh, yeah. Worst That's case true. scenario. Others are like, well, you never know if your credit, you know, may uh, cards either the credit limit is lowered, you may. You know, uh, if suddenly they canceled on you, things like that, I mean, maybe it's not as reliable as an emergency account. Uh, how do you th guys think about that that trade off? Well, I mean, I'm a big fan of credit cards, but but the uh, you know the, the first mantra that we talk about at Bankrate and, and our affiliated companies, CreditCards.com and PointsGuy, all part of our parent Red Ventures is that it's really necessary under ideal or most circumstances is to pay those balances off within the month because you know the average credit card rate and this really then speaks to those who are the best qualified um, users or customers is 16 percent uh so um, uh, so that that gets expensive quickly you know obviously on an annual basis if you're thinking about trying to think what the math is uh and um but we understand that if, if somebody's under a dire circumstance, you know, they may have to let it roll for a while. And, and uh, you know, that's a better outcome than getting, you know, thrown out of your house or, or something like that. But, um, you know, I would say, you know, think of credit cards as a tool uh, and like a hammer, a, a, a hammer can be used to build a house or injure your thumb. And, and the same is almost true of credit cards. You know, if, if you use them wisely, depending on whether you like a cash back card or whether you like one of the travel affinity cards that uh, might help get you uh, quicker access to uh, discounted or in some cases, free airline travel or hotel rooms. I'm big fans of all those products. But uh, that's why we go back to the sort of 
basic piece of advice of emergency savings is really where you want to start. And I understand somebody coming through a difficult period, they may have already tapped out their emergency savings. They might have even had to tap some of their uh, retirement savings under these circumstances, and that can come at a cost. Uh, but, uh, but you know, there, there, and we would, uh, by the way, you know, I work at bankrate.com and uh, we have articles on the site of, uh, that people sure. can reference yeah. with links. So finally, that. in the article, you also talk about um, it, it, as people return to the job market, we know a lot of people in the service economy that got hit. You were thinking about hospitality, restaurants, and and so forth. A lot of them don't want to go back to those right. to those jobs, maybe because of risk factors. Maybe they've taken some time. Um, this time away to upskill, things like that. What are the areas of the economy where there's a lot of help wanted signs out there that you think people should maybe be looking for if they're thinking about a change? Well, let me reverse engineer the answer to that a little bit because we just did a survey of Bankrate where we asked people, are they gonna look for work? Uh, over the next year and uh, what do they want out of their work? And uh, a majority of those in the workforce, meaning those who are working or looking for work said, they do plan to look for a new job in the next 12 months. So this is yeah. associated with what some people have called the great resignation. And the number one priority on the part of these uh, respondents was either flexibility in hours or the ability to work remote. The second answer was essentially an increase in pay. And so when we're looking at at, uh, still the huge deficit of employment that is in the leisure and hospitality space. Um, and obviously COVID still raging out there. Uh, and also we have a deficit also with, with respect to the daycare uh, options that are out there with, with a, not enough people working in that sector still. Um, so that's a problem. Uh, so I think, you know, you look at places, the places that are, the signs are most visible uh, include leisure and hospitality, bars and restaurants, live sports and entertainment accommodations. Uh, I think manufacturing and construction. I mean, just today we had the home builder sentiment survey and they talked about the chronic shortage of labor in the construction industry it makes me question, you know, how can this persist for as long as it has? But it's it's one of the factors that they're dealing with, along with supply constraints. Yeah, yeah. And we certainly know a lot of industries, you don't need to have to be that close to your customers, like in the restaurant business construction being certainly one of them where you're often working outside as well. And certainly big, big demand there and very skilled opportunities. There are often opportunities for uh, good pay. So fantastic. Uh, well, uh, thanks, uh, Mark, uh, for coming on the show and giving us your insights. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Ken. And you can uh, learn more about Mark and his work. And that's Mark Hamrick and his work by uh, going to the bankrate.com website. You're listening to Kent Smothers, Your Money, Business Radio Series XM 10132. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 